Welcome to Inside America's Minds, a series of original podcasts created and hosted by clinical psychologist, Dr. Jody J. DeLuca. Inside America's Minds features fascinating conversations with everyday people like you and me and their extraordinary experiences. Join us for this thought-provoking episode on Inside America's Minds. Hello, welcome to another fascinating edition of Inside America's Minds. Today I have with me Dawn Witte. Dawn is the founder of Desire to Inspire, and she is definitely a unique individual with so much to offer the world. Dawn, thank you so much for granting the privilege of interviewing today. It's wonderful. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love getting to uh, share some of the stories that I've got to experience in my life with others because they're inspirational. You're incredible. And I definitely want to talk about your work overseas in third world countries. So Desire to Inspire is your foundation. It's a nonprofit organization that connects with communities around the world to break the cycles of extreme poverty. How did you get involved with this? Oh gosh, this story. So it's so funny because I was a stay-at-home mom for all of my children's lives. And when, when they were in college, I was still, you know, cleaning and cooking and paying bills and, you know, just doing all the stuff, but not without the mommying part. You know, I was taking care of my dogs and my cats and things like that. But I, I didn't think that I had much to offer the world. I'm like, I'm just a mom. You know, I'm cleaning and cooking all the time. I didn't think I had a lot of value. And one day I said, you know, I've been helping my daughters, you know, live, you know, find out what their passions and their dreams and what they would love to do in the world their whole lives. And now what do I want to do? Because they were my purpose for a long time. And then when they got older, you know, I, I wasn't needed in that way. So I went on this journey of, I went back to college, I went to get my psychology degree, and I decided that mm, that doesn't, it wasn't, it wasn't fitting. And so I started taking workshops and reading books and courses. And um, in one of the workshops I had attended, there was this beautiful woman from Ghana there, and we started talking. And I said, you know, I've always wanted to go to Africa. And she said, uh, you should come. And you know, that planted that seed in my head. I mm. said, yeah, I've always wanted to do this. Why not? And so I went and I'd already started the Desire to Inspire Foundation as a way of sharing inspirational stories of people doing amazing work, much like your podcast, you know, talking about the extraordinary things people are doing for animals and for mothers mm. and, you know, po the poverty, you know, everywhere in this country too. And so when I went to Africa, I just saw, talk about inspiration. I mean, these yeah. people are struggling their self, themselves for water and food on a daily basis, yet they'll take in child after child after child and not know how they're going to feed themselves, but they still say no. And they work so hard to make sure these children have an education and that they're loved and clothed and fed. And I just thought, you know, I, that really changed the perspective I have in life. And I wanted to share those stories while helping them at the same time. So it's been a progression and a journey, but it's been So how, how long, how long has it been since you started the foundation? I started five years ago and my first okay. trip in Africa was four and a half years ago. And where did you go in Africa? So the first time I went to Africa, I just went to Ghana mm -hmm. and I didn't know where anything was. You know, somebody yeah. was like Uganda, Kenya. I'm like, where is that? Where is that? Now I pretty it's much a big country. Know. Yeah. It's well, a, continent. It's a, a continent. Yeah. There's countries within the continent. It, I have to tell you up front, it's one of my most favorite places in the world. I've, I've been there a few times and I feel that same. There's just a profound uh, essence of, of humanity there. That's and it. It, it's, um, it, it draws you back, especially when you see the cultural and the, the cultural differences, but the people. Yeah. So you said something and you said, you know, I was just a mom. The mom is, you know, a parent is the most important job we have. Mm -hmm. But what's incredible is 
you have that role and then you went on to discover yourself. How old were you at the time when you said, I got to renegotiate my life. Things have to change. Oh my gosh. I think I was probably about 45-ish. Excellent. Good. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of people think, oh, you know, when you hit your 40s, 50s, you're done. No. In many instances, we're just beginning. We're just beginning. And I think the other thing is that as parents, when the, once our children are pretty much established, they're on their way. I really identified when what you said is we have to find our identity. We have to renegotiate within ourselves. So since that time in the past five years, you're an author, you're a certified life coach, you have a degree in psychology, you're an entrepreneur, you're an international speaker, you're a philanthropist, you're a mom. How do you, how do you put it all together? Well, I, I want to clarify, I did not finish my degree because it wasn't sitting right in my soul. I was like, this yeah, is just not, not a good fit. Yeah. And so yeah. It, uh, that was something that I thought of as a failure at the time. It's like, oh, you couldn't finish this, you know, but something mm -hmm. within me knew that that didn't feel right. And I didn't want to do that. And again, so I think sometimes we look at things and we can be very hard on ourselves and think, oh, you know, I messed this up or I messed that up. And it's like, no, it's not your path. I agree. And it takes more courage to be able to identify that that's not the good fit. That's not the path that I need to follow. It takes more courage to step outside of that and switch gears. A lot of people, a lot of people that I have dealt with went on just to please everybody else, despite the fact when they knew it wasn't their heartbeat or the pulse on the vibe, it wasn't their passion. So good for you. Good for you. With a that. lot of times we put that on ourselves more than yes. even anybody else is yeah. putting on us because mm -hmm. I live in a community where, you know, everybody's got graduate degrees, they're lawyers, they're doctors, they're successful businessmen. They went to Stanford and Harvard. And again, here, I didn't finish my degree. So I'm thinking, what do I have to offer the world? Like I'm not as, you know, as smart as them or as accomplished. And so when we compare ourselves to others, do mm -hmm. and have it makes us feel a certain way and i want to help people get outside of that box and say no your journey is yours Don't why do you think it is that we compare ourselves to others especially others that have more education more money uh more you know career status why do you think that is especially in our american culture I think society dictates that, mm -hmm. and, but we allow it in our minds. And, and what I want to help people do is break out of that, that in-the-box thinking because I was doing that myself until I stepped out of that and started saying, this may sound crazy to you, but it's something within me that I have to go towards. And I don't have to have the degree the way, the traditional way, you know, that other people get it. Everybody's path is different. And I want to, you know, put that in everybody's mind. Um, my oldest daughter, she graduated from college. She's brilliant. She's talented. I mean, I couldn't say enough wonderful things about her, but she's taken a path where she didn't like working in an office. She tried that for a little bit and she's like, uh, this isn't for me. So she's been traveling the world. Um, she's doing it herself. You know, she's working in coffee shops. She's working in restaurants. Oh my gosh. And wow. You know, she loves it. She gets to see all these different places. And some of her friends are like, well, you know, you're throwing away your degree. You know, what are you doing with your life? And I said, you know what? Do what is calling to your soul. Because what I can see as a parent is the, the education she's receiving in this. Yes is so much more valuable than any education she could have got from college or university. Well said, and such a good gift to give a child is to support her and to love her. And I agree, I think it is one of the best educations an individual can have is by traveling and experiencing different cultures. And it changes you forever, doesn't it? Absolutely. You never see life the same way. Absolutely. What was the biggest challenge when you decided, okay, I've got to revamp my life. I've got to find a purpose for me. What was the biggest challenge you had? I think my, my own, my own thoughts. Getting in your own way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, you know, you minimize your accomplishments because I was reading over 
Uh, in addition to being an author, entrepreneur, humanitarian, you have heard, you have held, excuse me, several positions, PTA president. God love you for that one. Uh, NCLA, what does that stand for? Founder, chapter president. National Charity League. Oh my, okay. Court appointed special advocate for children, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, what in the LA that? foster system. What was that like? Because you get a real picture, especially in this country, of what's going on within the foster system. Yeah, and LA County has the largest foster care system in the country. I think okay. at the time I was there, it was 27,000 children in the system. Oh my God, you're it kidding. Is, it's heartbreaking. You know, for me, I've always looked at a child and I don't want any child to ever feel like they're not, they don't matter and they're not loved and they're not special. So that's why I'm always compelled to do work in that arena. Um, and I loved it. It was, it was difficult. It, um, I stopped doing it because there was a lot, I had to sit in a courtroom, you yeah. know, when, when the court cases were heard and I'd sit on those hard wooden benches like all day long and have to write these court reports and stuff. And I was like, uh, as much, and I still can keep in contact with those children so they can still be in my life, but I don't have to do it that way. The platform of Desire to Inspire Foundation. We believe in being beyond sustainable. Then your message is the power of perseverance, purpose, and putting kindness out into the world. Mm -hmm. That's phenomenal. That's the only way things are going to get better is when we realize that we are all connected. You know, we are all connected. And so what perceived differences we think we have, whether it's race, religion, politics, you know, all these different things that we think divide us, they don't. Like, we are all one humanity. And I want people to understand that and understand that when you give, you get so much in return. And, you know, there is the universal laws, you know, karma, mm -hmm. no matter what faith you follow, there's that, that universal cord that goes throughout each of them. And it's what you put out you get back what you reap, you sow. And I will tell you, I get more back. The love that I receive from these children, the pride I get in watching them, you know, happy. And uh, I, you know, you couldn't pay me enough to, for that feeling. And who would have ever thought growing up and you become emotional when we mm. talk about that, talk about that a little bit more about that emotion that you're feeling. Oh boy. My friend Nana, who I met in Africa, he travels around Africa with me. He's like a brother to me. He makes fun of me all the time because every time I leave those kids, I'm tears, 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 tears. I can't help it. There is such profound love. It's like you were talking about, there is something very special about the people that not only in Africa, but I think people that don't have mm -hmm. much yeah. There, there's so much more genuine gratitude and for all of the things that life just provides us, like the animals and the air and the trees and the plants, and they, they appreciate, there's this deep, profound appreciation and you can feel it. And, and no judgment. There's more wonder and acceptance of the diversity and the differences. Did you find that? Do oh, you yeah. find that? Because you're still actively going to Africa, correct? Yeah, well, I haven't gone in the last two years, which is hurting my uh, soul. Pandemic, I, that must be really difficult for you. Yes, because I've been watching these children grow up for, you know, four years. Mm. I, I keep going back and, you know, these little boys that I met the first time that were, you know, this tall, now they're taller than me. And it, it's it's just, it's amazing. But um, I can't even remember the question you just asked. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Because you're talking from the heart. You're very passionate. So uh, the question, I, I even forgot what the question was at this point, because I'm with you as you're talking. I'm, I'm actually traveling back to my time in Africa. And I'm just thinking, I, I'm just reliving that. And, and how is it different than our country? And how is it the same? And what can we learn? Oh, I just, this, this story just popped into my head okay. and I have to share it because yes. it's such, it demonstrates exactly what you're talking about. We were going to this island um, off of Uganda and it's very poor. Uh, they were really hit hard with AIDS. So there are a lot mm. of widows and orphans there. And um, we had to take a boat, which was really fun. You know, we got to take a boat there. And then we had to, when we got off the boat, we had to walk a ways to get to the village. Um, my sandal broke, Dawn and her sandals. So my sandal broke and I took off, I could not walk you know, on it. So I just took it off and I was walking with one sandal. This woman 
who lives there, they had come and greeted us and they were dancing and they were singing and it was just so magical. Mm -hmm. And this woman came over, took off her shoes and insisted that I wear them. And the whole walk was like, you know, was dirt and stones. And I was like, no, I can't possibly take your shoes, but she wouldn't take them back. And she didn't even know me, you know, you give a stranger your shoes and then you're going to walk barefoot. I mean, again, my whole body's with goosebumps because yeah. Because of the kindness of someone, unconditional, unconditional empathy, kindness, acceptance. So you go to this island and you had mentioned because of the AIDS epidemic, uh, there were a lot of widows, a lot of children without parents, or at least with only a single parent. Um, What was the biggest, biggest challenge you had while being there? seeing that, experiencing that? You know, as much as you would think, seeing the poverty does hurt my soul. You know, I remember one time driving through this village and and seeing all the poverty and I had just finished my life coaching certification. And, you know, part of life coaching is we're talking about manifesting things and, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, if you ask God or the universe, it will provide, we live in an abundant universe. And as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, but you can't tell me you're not praying yeah. to have you know God feed her child. And then later I thought about that more and I thought, you know, maybe I heard that mother's prayer and I am the I am the one that is supposed to help her to do that. And I think that when we don't step into our purpose, you know, somebody's prayer might not be answered. So how does your foundation help once you get there? Tell us a little bit more how the foundation actually helps these individuals. Well, first and foremost, love. You know, love is why I go. Um, But in a meaning, in a more profound, you know, real way, we've drilled three boreholes in Ghana. Um, One of the places that an 80-year-old man pulled aside Nana and said, "Uh, thank you, son. I'll get to taste clean water before I die. So the boreholes were for clean water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we moved our girls in Sierra Leone from a one-room concrete floor place where they ate and they slept. They slept on the floor like sardines. I slept with them. It's very, very uncomfortable. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, we moved them to a house where they all have beds now. And they, they Susan, the person who takes care of these children so beautifully, mm. she's 25. She takes in 31 orphaned girls. Oh my she, gosh. When I met her, she was 23. So can you even imagine doing such a thing? No, I can't. At this age. And no. here she is. Yes. Um, so they just bought some land and we're going to help them fundraise to build the house for themselves and a school. Uh, it's it's amazing. Um, again, like <laughs> I, I get so passionate about it and I literally yes. go back to those feelings and those emotions when I talk. So I get yeah. a little bit. No, back. no, please. This, this is the real thing. This is what Inside America's Minds is all about. Oh gosh, my mind's so messy. (laughs) You have acquired this gift of this incredible, incredible passion, but it's reciprocated in the work that you do. Now, who are some of your contributors? Who are some of the individuals that donate to help to make the foundation do what it does? Well, for the first few years, it was a lot mostly self-funded. So, you know. Oh, my God. Girl, how'd you do that? I love these children. I love these children. You know, so whatever I have to do. You know, so I I don't buy a lot of new clothes. I'm driving around a 15-year-old car. You know, it doesn't matter to me because this is how I want to spend my money. But I have very generous friends. You know, I have people that have, you know, helped me to support me to do this work. Um, I've really taken my focus off of the actual donation part of the foundation and created a shopping site because I feel like if you donate a dollar, to me, a dollar is going to feed that child, not 90 okay. cents, not 80 cents. So donations, I still accept those, but I'm very, those are sacred to me. And okay. because the needs are so great, I can't, you know, take a, a cent from that. So we've been putting our focus on the shopping site. So we've been um, selling t-shirts and we've got a skincare line and all kinds of like fun things for people to help uplift them. You do have people donating. You do have the site. What was the most difficult thing or event that you experienced during your travels? Like while I was physically there? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think anything 
nothing. I mean, there were some challenges here and there. I mean, it is very, um, you know, dirt roads and mm -hmm. it's not like I'm staying in fancy hotels. I mean, staying with those, I need to feel it. I need to experience it. So I'm not going to go to a fancy hotel. I'm um, not that I didn't go to a couple hotels, like in between like visits, sure. but I want to be there. I, you know, like the showering, you know, in Sierra Leone on that wharf, they literally have like just a room that is over the ocean and people go to the bathroom there. That's how they shower with a bucket, which they don't shower. They just, you know, clean themselves. I mean, that's, that's hard. I knew that this is just a few days. This is their lives forever. Yeah. And I, I want to change that for them, but I, it, I, I wanted to do it to experience it and to see how that feels. Uh, and that's the incredible part. I mean, you you embedded yourself in a culture, you lived it, which you've earned the right to do what you do and to talk about it and to spread the word. Did you see a lot of medical things going on there, dysentery, infectious diseases, and so on? Um, you know, malaria is one of the yeah. things that um, actually when we were on that wharf, because of the unsanitary conditions, we went back and did a wharf cleanup. You had asked me earlier, you know, what kind of things we were doing. We went back after we moved the girls off the wharf to clean up that area because there are still people and children living there, even though my girls were moved. Um, and we did like an amazing cleanup. But uh, one of the babies had come, the mom brought the baby over to us and, and babies like jaundice or, you know, the eyes mm. were yellow. So we knew something was wrong. So we took, got that baby to the hospital and that baby was okay. But had we waited or had that, had we not been there, like, I don't know what would have happened. So that was, you know, so yes, the, mm. that was one of the, I think that might've been dysentery. I don't remember exactly the diagnosis, but over the years, you know, I know a lot of people who've had malaria, yeah. you know, that. Really and you serious. got inoculated prior to going with the malaria. I think there's, I think there's no vaccine for malaria, but I did get the, the pills. The pills. Yeah, that's what I got. So I'm curious. So you go to the you go to the third world countries and you come back to our United States. How is that? How is that mind shift? How is that hard heart shift? How is that? I think the first time it hit me the most profoundly, um, I remember the TV was on in my house and there's weight loss commercial after weight loss commercial. And I just come back with trying to figure out how to feed people. Um, mm. And then uh, like a few days later, I had a glamour magazine that came and it said something like the beauty of stuff or things. And I'm just like, whoa, it's so different. How, how is it different? Talk about that a little bit. I think one of the reasons they're so happy and joyful and generous and, and grateful is because they don't have all the stuff. They value people. They value the beauty and the blessings they do have. And we're reaching for more stuff. And when we realize that, you know, stuff is just stuff. And I'm not saying I don't like, you know, clothes and things like that, but I'm just saying we have to prioritize it in a different way because, you know, again, with social media and things like that, we're looking mm -hmm. at this person's fancy vacation, their fancy car, their fancy house, you know, their beautiful makeup or whatever. And those aren't the important things in life, but those are the things that we're chasing. And once we realize that that's not what, why we're even here, that's not why we exist, it makes us more grateful and it makes us more appreciative of everything that we have in our lives. So even if something happens, um, you know, my plumbing breaks in my house or my car battery dies or, you know, something that would have been like, oh, you know, ruined my whole day. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, you know what? I'll take care of it. You know, it, it no longer, like everything's the small stuff these days. So you're, you're able to let things go. You're able to really have a better understanding of priorities and what, what's important in life and to not sweat the small stuff, mm -hmm. so they say. Yeah, yeah. It makes for a much more happy and peaceful it life. It does, yeah. So when you think about our United States, especially in light of the pandemic, what do you think our biggest challenges as a country in relationship to the rest of the world. You can talk about this because you've had these experiences outside of our country. So what do you think the biggest challenge or perhaps even the biggest tragedy in our United States? Oh, you know, I, I see, I think we are at a soul deficit. You know, I think in Africa, they're, they're, they've got some, they're challenged in resources, getting to where resources belong, because mm -hmm. the resources exist. 
It is just like a flow in getting it to the right people. Um, but here, because they are so happy and grateful and joyous and have little, and we have much, and the depression rates and suicide rates and bulimia and all these girls cutting themselves, those kind of things, why? You know, you have to ask yourself why. And I think we need to look at life in a, in a more profound way mm -hmm. and look for meaning and stop valuing things, start valuing people, start saying, if one of the things I wrote a paper when I was taking my psychology courses about the bystander effect. And that oh, yeah. fascinated mm -hmm. me because mm -hmm. I'm like, how can people just walk by somebody suffering or in pain and not lend a hand? Like that doesn't even make any sense to me. Are you but, talking about the Genovese case yes. in New York where yes. how many people were standing while she was stabbed and nobody did anything? They heard her screaming. Well, yeah. we just saw a case in the news where a woman was sexually assaulted on a train yes. and people were videotaping it. Yeah. But nobody helped. Yeah. How, you know, how I does think that happen and why? Do you think maybe people are afraid to get involved? And if that so, why? That fascinates me because I mm -hmm. don't understand it. Um, maybe some, some, some might not get involved because they don't know if there's a problem and I don't want to look stupid. But, you know, they might be mad if, if it's not my business or, you know, mm -hmm. and some people I think are just in their own worlds. Like, you know, not my problem. I got my own problems, not my problem. But I just think if we if we all like could reach out to the person next to us that is struggling, that is in pain, whether it's a friend, a family member, somebody in your community, or a stranger you just happen to walk by and see that they're struggling a little bit, we can all do something to help the person next to us. And if we all did that, the world would be such a more beautiful place. And we would be happier inside too. And our country, I... I I think it's the best country in the world. And I, and I do accept all the problems we have, but I've lived overseas, traveled like yourself. So I, I get a baseline of comparison, but we have so much potential and we do so much for the world. The question I have for you is, what do you think as a nation is our biggest asset? The people. Okay. The people. I, I think people are the answer to everything. Okay. But again, it's it's when we come together and love each other, stop arguing with each other. You know, you can have an, uh, an opinion on something and I can have a very different opinion, but we don't have to be disagreeable in the differences of our opinions because we all have different life experiences, which form our perspectives of what the world looks like. So you're not wrong and I'm not right and vice versa. If we can look at each other like that and agree to disagree, I think that, you know, it would make everybody happier because we're just ready to like be so bad. Yeah, yeah. I think people are waiting for a fight. They're expecting it, especially because of what we've been through globally, but also with our nation, with the pandemic. So our country is divided mm -hmm. for okay. many reasons. And there has been a lack of kindness for the most part. What do you say about that? Again, you can disagree with somebody without being disagreeable. And I think if we can, uh, you know, I, I have my own beliefs about, you know, different things, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody can have contrary beliefs, but I don't have to argue my point and say, you're wrong and you have to listen to my way. I think we can hear each other, hear our differences and agree. I understand that's how you see it, but that doesn't mean you're wrong. And I think if we could come together in that kind of a way, we could really fix so many things about you know, solve a lot of different problems. So agree to disagree. Do you think as a nation we'll ever become more unified? Do you think we'll get beyond this, uh, beyond these differences? I hope so. I mean, you're always going to find that. I don't think there's ever going to be a time where, you know, a certain segment of the population doesn't want to be right or in control or in power or whatever, you know, that looks like for them. But I think we, not like the rulers of the, the government and people like mm -hmm. that, I'm talking about us person to person. We are the ones that can be the change. So talk about life growing up as little Dawn. Where were you born? Where were you raised? What was life like? Um, I grew up in Worcester, Ohio, a small town in Ohio. Okay. Um, I have two siblings. I'm the oldest of three. Um, you know, my mom is an East Indian woman from Trinidad. So okay. you know, she looks very Indian. My dad was a German man from Ohio. You know, so I grew up I grew up never feeling like I fit in, you know. Okay, in, that's very common. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I, I know. Yeah. And, and even, yeah. you know, the, the race thing, like people didn't know what we were and, you know, there weren't a lot of families of color where I grew up and, you know, so I always felt like the odd man out. Um, what did that feel like? Try to verbalize that. I, it led me to not feel like I was good enough, that I didn't fit in, that, you know, this girl's prettier. I, I didn't value what I looked like or anything I had to bring to the table ever. It literally, I didn't get this until my 40s. <laughs> okay. And, and that may be another reason when these children are so accepting, when they embrace all of you without judgment, unconditionally, that that actually restores that earlier pain. And it's so funny because emotion has no chronological age. So what we felt at the age of seven or eight or even three or 20, we can feel at any age moving forward, 40, 60, 90. That literally programs our subconscious mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. And so here you are growing up in Ohio. You come from a diverse family and you're are you bullied? Are you ostracized or just made to, or did you assume that you were different? I, it was in my head. Again, it was in my head because when I talk to people like many years later that I haven't seen in forever, they have a different memory of who I was. Interesting. So again, yeah. it's all in our own heads for the okay. most part. Okay. What was the biggest challenge growing up other than what you just described? Oh, you know, I think my mom, um, I know my mom loves us, but she has a very, very different way of showing love, you know, so I, and she, I, being the oldest, um, there was a lot of expectation put on me. And then there's the generational, dif uh, not generational difference, the uh, cultural difference. Because yeah, the subculture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of, again, I think that planted these subconscious beliefs in my, my mind that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I could never do anything right. And, you know, that just like, that was my operating system for a long, long, long time. How did it affect you in relationships when you went on to have relationships and fall in love and so on? How did that self-concept? Yeah, I was married for almost 30 years. So, oh, wow. Okay. It was like one relationship. <laughs> okay. And how did that go, if, if I may ask? You know, he is a wonderful man. I, I love him to this day. I will never not love him. You know, we were very young when we got together. And so we started growing. And um, I feel like um, I might not have married him if I would have... Um, like had a, a high value of myself and not me being arrogant, but just like understanding that I had value. Um, and that's not a disregarding him in any no, way. No, it's just form. a fact. In retrospect, we learn a lot about ourselves and relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I would have understood that he couldn't give me the things that I needed. And I was, I was worthy and deserving of the things that I wanted. I wasn't ridiculous because, you know, I wanted affection or love or things like that. So, um, but again, I think everything happened exactly the way it was supposed to. Mm -hmm. I got to be the mother to my two beautiful daughters, which I would not have had I not had that relationship. So uh, his mother, um, that was one of like the most beautiful learning experiences of my life. When we first got married, she did not like me at all. Um, and at the end of okay. her days, I was taking care of her. We wow. became really good friends. And so to watch that wow. evolve from, you know, not a good place to a beautiful place. Uh, that was like a great learning lesson for me. So if you were to describe yourself, <coughs> Dawn Witty, in one word, Dawn, what would that be? That's so funny that you asked that because this morning I was thinking about all the different titles I've had throughout my life and I have. Mom, I would describe myself <gasps> as a mom. That's my favorite. And it, it makes sense, too, that what you do when you go abroad to Africa is you are a mom, you're nurturing, you're caring. Uh -huh. What message, and, we, and it's probably similar to what we've been talking about, but what message do you want to give people today? Oh, that, you know, you don't have to go to feed people that, you know, don't have food. Every single one of us can make a profound difference in this world mm -hmm. by every interaction we have. 
you know, whether it's at the grocery store, at the bank, the post office, any interaction at work, we can, you know, tell somebody a joke, we can compliment them, we can love them, we can lend them an ear, you know, we can all be that person, it doesn't cost anything. So you're a certified life coach. What is the biggest challenge that your clients bring to you in this day and age? Um, you know, I don't do a lot of one-on-one coaching because okay. I, I have a hard time separating. Like if somebody's my client and they're coming to me and they've got like real emotional, you know, they've got a real situation mm-hmm. going on. I can't just be like, well, you know, your hour's done and I got to go. Um, so okay. I do group coaching most of all, okay. but I think... The one thing I hear over and over again is people don't believe in themselves. You know, society told them that Mm. they're supposed to be this or they're supposed to be that or they're supposed to have this or this is the way to get from here to there. And we have to understand that all of our paths are different. We all have amazing gifts. You know, I cannot sing, you know what, but I can love people very well. And so other people that have beautiful singing voices, that's their gift they get to share with the world. And so not to compare ourselves or our journeys with anybody else's. And I think when we stop doing that, that is one of the biggest things that people have. And also that self-talk in their heads, like start talking nicer to yourself. If you wouldn't speak that way to your child, certainly don't speak that way to yourself. There's a lot of this, what they call imposter syndrome going on. And I'm not doing good enough. And and the comparison with other, whether it be just friends or colleagues, there's so much of that. That's what I'm seeing a lot of. And um, I think it does make a difference. And I think it does put a lot of pressure and unrealistic expectations. So give us, help us understand a day in the life of Dawn right now, a typical day. There is no typical day. Okay. (laughs) You know, all my days are different. You know, I woke up early today to do this podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have early morning. I do a lot. Again, all of the beautiful magic and connections that have come into my life because of this journey that I'm on. Um, I do a lot of work with people in India. So I have to, you know, I have 530 calls and things like that. Um, So there's lots of answering messages. I can't get back to all the messages all the time. So, you know, sometimes things slip, but lots of phone calls. Um, there's always my dogs. My dogs are part of everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate to that. So, you know, I was so impressed. You have an honorary doctorate in humanitarianism from the Global International Alliance. Talk to us about that. That is a big thing. That is hard earned. You know, I have this friend, Loretta Rice Barnes. I love her. She was another one of these magical blessings that came into my life because I stepped into this thing that I didn't even know what was going to happen on the other side. I didn't know that today I would have friends in in parliament in Uganda, that Mm. I would know, you know, some of the wealthiest business people in Africa. I mean, the connections I've had. So Loretta Rice Barnes is doing magical work in this world. She's an author. She's a minister. She's an apostle. She's a speaker. I, I don't know. I can't even list all the things wow. she does. But um, yeah, I was very honored to to receive that. And um, yeah, that, that just... Well, and then you were, you also, let's see, in 2021... Woman of Achievement, Miss Elite Southern California title holder, and you were recently appointed as chaplain of the USA Ladies of All Nations International Loney Group for California. Wow. I mean, it just, it's incredible. Do you, uh, you, know, do you believe in yourself? Do you, I, you're very humble and you will always be humble because you have of that belief system, that template early on. But do you see how phenomenal you are? Um, I feel like I've been very blessed. Do you do you take credit? No, I don't because I I I don't. It's not me. Like I am here to do God's work, just like I said about answering a prayer. Okay. So I don't feel like I'm doing anything more than what I should be doing. Okay, I just answered the call. I just answered the call and, and, you know, that's why the magic and the resources and these things, that's not me doing it. I'm, I'm answering the call, but I'm just a vessel here. But you had a choice and you chose to follow through with that calling. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what a wonderful gift you received, but what you give as well. You can't minimize that you're phenomenal and it's a God given gift 
but you're giving back. You're giving back. And you made that choice. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. But I do think we all have that ability. We all have the power to do this. That's why I don't think like it's I'm any different than anybody else because we I just chose to do it. And everybody has that choice and we can all make the choice. So what if a person is really down? What if they've, they're kind of like in this abyss of there's nothing left for me or what am I going to do? I see a lot of people, it's like, I don't know what to do next. I just know I have to stop doing what I'm doing. And we're seeing a lot of that with the pandemic. People aren't wanting to go back to jobs. They're realizing that is not the job I want. That's not a good fit or whatever. And there's other reasons. But when we take an individual that is trying to find a purpose in life, regardless of age, because we always have that capability, no matter what the age how what can you suggest to get started what what can you recommend to people to find their passion yeah that's what that's what my courses are and that's what I want to help people do I want them to a believe in themselves I feel like that is one of the biggest hurdles and again to understand that your journey is yours and I always say to my friend like what somebody thinks of you is none of your business because we can't control what that is. We can only be our best selves and they might be viewing us through the prism of who they are. So we can't take it personally. And we have to remember that. And we also have to remember that, you know, it takes time and there's steps, little baby steps, but every little tiny step, you know, I am here on my journey and I want to be over here. And so I could look at that gap and think, I'm not doing enough or I'm not successful or I'm failing at what I'm trying to do. But when I remember I started way over here, You know, so I have to look at what we all have to look at the things that we have done, celebrate our wins, look at our gifts and not think, well, because I can't do this very well, or I don't like doing this, that I'm not good enough. Well, your gift is something else. You're not supposed to be good at everything. You're supposed to be good at some things. And those things are things that you should be loved. You should love to be doing. So when people are stuck in a job that they're literally just, you know, just paying the bills and that's the only reason they go to this job. Mm Look at the things that you would love to be doing. Ask yourself some questions about what would I love to be doing if I could do anything else? Like dream in the world of infinite possibility and then start making some steps towards that, you know, baby steps. The darkest day of your life. Oh my goodness. I think it was when I found out my dad died. Okay. Yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. The best day of your life. Oh, gosh, I've had so many of those. (laughs) Okay. Tell us about your relationship with dad and how he changed your life. Oh, my dad, he was so wonderful. You know, we look back at all the funny things we would make fun of him for, and he just wanted to make people smile. And, um, you know, my dad was, he, you know, he loved people and he was so kind and I remember he used to tell us all the time you know please and thank you are magic words you know use the magic what are the magic words and you know he taught us like how to be a really decent kind human you know he would bring one time he brought home a cat that you know somebody had like tried to light on fire yeah so um we had a dog who was horrible she liked to try to bite everybody and uh he would take her everywhere it's my dad and this like little white fluffy dog in the truck all the time it was very cute and he was a military man he was he was yeah his his father was a marine and then my brother was a marine yeah so you are definitely your father's daughter with a heart of gold he taught me those things You've also done, let me just backtrack, you've done interviews with MTV Rock, iHeartRadio, Well World TV, The Balanced Doctor, The Naked Truth Podcast, Nora Guma Magazine, uh, writersinterviews.com, music shows, indie music discovery. Tell us a little bit about that. It's just like this, you know, I love getting to talk to people and share these stories to give people maybe a moment, you know, somebody like me who's sitting there not knowing what her next step in the world is going Mm. to be, not valuing themselves and believing that there's more out there for them. I want to touch somebody's heart and say, you know what, there is more for you. And I want to, to light that spark in them to go do that. I like what you also said. You believe in Pamela Leo's words. First of all, who is Pamela Leo? Educate me on that. 
She is a, a, a child specialist. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't follow much that she says or does, but okay. um, when I read that quote, my friend actually shared it with me because she said it reminded her of me. Yeah, and it reminds funny. me of you. Go ahead and say the quote. Oh gosh, I can't even remember, but I, I, at the end of the, the essence is like every child yeah. deserves one person who thinks the sun rises and sets on them and thinks that they're, you know, uh, the most magical thing in the world. And I I'm just, looking like, at it and I'm feeling it with you. Children need at least one person in their life who thinks the sun rises and sets on them, who delights in their existence and loves them unconditionally. And I agree with your friend. This quote by Pamela Leo describes you. Mm. This is what you do. So I think that's phenomenal. I want to talk about your books because, wow, you have so many books out there. So you have Be Strong, Inspired, Happy, Love, Kind, Genuine, and Grateful, a coloring journal planner. You wrote that with Deborah Louise Brown, correct, John? Mm. Okay. Yes. Tell us about that journal. Um, it expounds on my seven words. You know, when I wrote my first okay. book, I, I, I wrote it for my daughters. I wanted to okay. give them some advice um, that I thought was important about, you know, how good it is to be a good person and how much more is going to come into your life by being a good person. And um, then... I wrote the coloring journal planner to help people. Get, okay, so these words are good, but how does that affect me in my life? You know, so people can start asking themselves some questions, start writing some things, you know, stream of consciousness, or start asking them, what would I do if the box wasn't there and I had to pay the bills and I had to get the paycheck? If I if I had a magic wand, what would I love my life to look like? Okay. And, and it's so a coloring journal. Yeah, so, so there's okay. some coloring elements and some quotes and, you know, wow. all kinds of things to let okay. people tap into that. Yeah. And all of these books are available on Amazon, correct? Yes. Okay. Are. So you also have the power of happy, reprogramming autopilot mode, which we were talking about earlier, to create a life we love living. Yes, my friend Jan, he's a life coach in Namibia. He he was a collaborative collaborating author on that book. Um, he is amazing. Okay. Yeah. So all of our books, I love to work in collaboration. So I see all... that with Deborah Louise Brown and Jan is actually spelled J-A-N. Is that yes. correct? Okay. Yes. So uh, Jan Grobler. Okay. Yes. And the power of strong, creating a life in harmony with your soul's purpose. And that was with Stephanie Young, Deborah Louise Brown and yourself. Any other authors? Uh, let's see in the recipes for being the power of seven, we have seven different authors. Um, oh, wow. Got, yeah. Wonderful. They, they each took a chapter. So that, that's another amazing book. I love a it. Lot of wisdom. I love it. This is wonderful. And recipes for being the power of seven delves into seven words that help you celebrate living your life of purpose by design. Beautiful. Well, other things that you would like to share with us, especially about the foundation, desire to inspire. Oh, um, again, you, I, I'm. We were going. We were actually working on a volunteer trip last year, and then we thought, okay, well, we'll push it to October 2021. Mm -hmm. And again, pandemic kept those. Yeah. I want to bring people to Africa. So anybody who's ever wanted to go and said, I've always wanted to do that. This would be a wonderful opportunity. Um, when we do have that happen, I don't know mm -hmm. when that's going to be, but we are raising money to build a couple different buildings for Mama Josephine in Uganda, for Susan in Sierra Leone and her girls. Again, we just uh, finished drilling a borehole in Ghana, our third one. Um, so you know, come see the work we do. Look at the pictures of our beautiful children on our website. You will see the actual children that we work with. Um, your your heart can't be not be moved by these beautiful children. Their their energy just you can feel it from their pictures. Um, and then you know, visit our shopping site and uh, you know, get some cute things that remind you of you know the importance of being grateful, the importance of being loved and being kind and strong and genuine and inspired and happy. Um, so and your website, your store site, share that information with us so people know where to find you, where to go to the gift shop. That's called the B-Line Products. It's the B-E-Line Products and, .com. And again, we've got an array of, you know, different items with the words. Just as a reminder to, you know, 
be your best self. And, and we just, we have these two skincare products. They're natural with ingredients from Africa. Oh, wow. These particular ingredients, um, this particular, what my goal is, is to eventually have these done in Africa. So they can sell them in Africa. We can create jobs there in Africa. I am not there yet, but that's coming down the road. That's part of the vision because I want to, you know, one of the things I say all the time is we've been sending old clothes, you know, torn clothes to Africa forever. And what I want to do is I want to send, take that same money and spend it on the ground in Africa. So the shopkeeper gets, you know, money, earns money, the seamstress earns money. And then you'll get to see these beautiful African children in these beautiful African garments instead of these misfitting old, you know, our discards. So that is, that's a dream I have. That's a goal I have. And that lifts everybody. Beautiful. Once again, the website. Uh, it's well, the, the foundation is desire to inspire foundation.org, and the shopping site is the beelineproducts.com. I want to thank you for this privilege today. You're amazing in so many ways. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you, and Godspeed. Mm, thank you so much, Jody. Keep in touch. Absolutely. This is Dr. Jody J. DeLuca signing off. Take good care, America. Thank you for listening to Inside America's Minds. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, Inside America's Minds with Dr. Jody J. DeLuca. The views, information, and opinions expressed on the Inside America's Minds podcast series and on any other related social media pages are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any third party. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional psychological, psychiatric, or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay seeking treatment because of something you have heard on Inside America's Minds or have read on any other related social media pages. For emergency situations, be sure to call 911 or go to the nearest emergency department.